You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christi Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo. And I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Hello, Brian. Hey, Curtis. How you doing? Doing well. Hey, feel like we had church right before we even uh, had the podcast. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was some good prayer. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, last week we mentioned uh, the new new uh, member to the Bellator Christie. We didn't get a chance to talk a little bit about her, but her name is Michelle Johnson. You want to go ahead and introduce her? Yeah, so Michelle Johnson is uh, from, uh, she and her husband Steve live in Mankato, Minnesota. She's originally from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, she and I are in class together. We've had numerous classes together. She's just a wonderful lady of God, a wonderful woman of God. And uh, so she's joining us. Uh, she is. Uh, she studies a lot in creationist, uh, uh, the science behind creationism, how it interacts with a literal interpretation of Genesis. And so... Uh, Hopefully, she'll be writing some things for us in that genre. She's also a history buff. She uh, has uh, written already a piece for us at bellatorchristie.com this week. We posted it on the life of uh, St. Patrick, and she just did yeah. a she just did a killer job on that. And uh, she's had a lot of views on that article already. And so uh, she she uh, went to the University of uh, Minnesota and got her undergraduate degree. She has uh, I think a couple masters degrees from Liberty University, and as I mentioned, she's also in the uh, program I'm in with a PhD in philosophy and, and uh, apologetics, mean, start over, PhD in theology and apologetics uh, there at Liberty University, and ironically, uh, we should be finishing classes about the same time, so hopefully we'll be entering the comps and dissertation around about the, around about the same time, so uh, she loves to travel as well, and so if you get a chance to, uh, uh, when she writes an article, be sure to check it out, you'll get a great blessing from it. Yeah, yeah, this, the, the one on St. Patrick was, was really good, I, I enjoyed it, it was, it was short. But it was it was packed with information. So I tell you what, well, sometimes the shorter ones are, are the Man. best ones. Uh, oh, I tell you. But unfortunately, I have uh, sometimes diarrhea of the keyboard, and so it's hard for me to get it within five hundred <laughs> words or so. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's radio worthy. Uh, well, it may not be. That's true. <laughs> My my apologies to the uh, any organization out there that was offended by that. <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah. So hey, uh, we want to kind of dive in here because uh, this is probably going to be a pretty long one. Um, we got um, the title for today will be uh, the dangers facing the church. Um, why don't we go ahead and uh, start with your point, uh, Brian, and then we'll kind of shift over and, and we'll talk about some of mine there. Yeah, we were actually talking about this the other day, and uh, I had I have before for Bellator Christie listed out uh, the the top ten challenges uh, facing the church for a particular year, and um, 
Um, let me first of all say that Bellator Christi uh, Ministries is a non-denominational organization. Uh, I, I am affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, but Bellator Christi is not linked in with any one particular denomination because I feel that, quite honestly, that denominations are man-made, and I think the most important thing is that we're part of the body of Christ. Uh, what's going to get you in heaven is not the name of the denomination over your church door is whether or not your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right. And so that's the most important thing. So, But I mentioned this only to say that uh, I, I'm part of uh, my personal ministries with a church with the Southern Baptist Convention. And Curtis, you're with, your church is with the Assemblies of God. So Correct. as we're talking about this, I think this actually beefs up the conversation because we're coming from two different denominational perspectives, but we would just simply say this to let everybody know that we here at Bellator Christie believe in the one body of the church, and that's the most important thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that this is uh, actually going to provide a deeper um, insight, I think, to the dangers facing the church uh, because of this, uh, because of the two perspectives we're presenting today. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, uh, my upbringing, what I grew up in, um, I grew up in the Catholic Church um, and actually um, parted way from there um, in just right around high school. So um, I was saved in in uh, an AG church, actually. Um, Well, and, you know, my personal background is my wife and I, we attended a Methodist church for, for several years. Uh, it was actually in a Methodist church where, uh, a conservative Methodist church where I, I rededicated my life to the Lord uh, after I had strayed for a little while, came back to the Lord, and, uh, and and had been brought up in a Southern Baptist church, just so happened to be back in a Southern Baptist church. But I have family and friends that are part of multiple denominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about this at the outset of the pod, or before the podcast, uh, we have friends and family who are part of Pentecostal holiness, or part of uh, uh, some friends of ours, and, uh, family of ours in High Points, part of the the Lutheran denomination. So, you know, we we have fam- fam- family and friends that are linked in with several different denominational backgrounds, and so that may have helped shape my, uh, which I'm very appreciative of that to the Lord uh, for the fact that we. That I feel that I can look, you know, uh, that I've had the persuasion that there is one church, um, and don't really overly emphasize denominationalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yep. So, what was your first one there? So, the first danger first facing the church, I was looking at this and and thinking and praying over this. I th- I think this is this is a situation that's facing many churches through many different denominations, and in fact, even through denominations, and that's internal conflicts, issues uh, where the church cannot reconcile different things taking place. Now, obviously, there are major issues that are being faced in churches, that are faced in denominations, but a lot of the issues, a lot of the things that bring forth division aren't worth their weight at all. Uh, I, I, I've used this as a as a uh, in a, in an illustration. It said I was told by a very reliable source that there is a church uh, near our our, our area that uh, basically split in half over an issue with toilet paper. 
Um, literally, they split over the type of toilet paper that was used. Now, there were some other issues going on with the custodian, but it, it, it blew up from there. And as one pastor said, they certainly went down the drain because of it. But, uh, mm. you know, but in all seriousness, that, that is an issue that many churches are facing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of um, a lot of church splits start, and I and I haven't been involved in in any, but I've seen them from afar. I've heard that you know church splits start from just um, one or two people uh, basically stirring everybody up and trying to form uh, one side or the other, um, you know, and and what that does is it does it doesn't bring unity and and new people coming in can see that they can see that within the church when you when they walk in they can see when when the when the congregation is not united and pulling for the same thing um it's quite obvious and absolutely and there are, i mean you have been really blessed not to be part of this because i i have to say this is one of the most um, tragic things I think a Christian can go through in in uh, ministry or in life is is seeing these things take place, and and you're right, it it brings dishonor to the Lord, and for those who may be baby Christians or those who may be considering becoming a Christian, this is just devastating. Uh, you know, it devastates the the church's testimony, and um, a lot of times I really believe. That these things begin, as you mentioned, by two, two or three people, and a lot of times it has to do over issues of power and control. Um, that that it it becomes more of a man focused power play than it ne- than it necessarily does um, being um, concerned about the ways of the Lord. I guess would be the way to put that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that comes in from people not um, maybe? not recognizing who they really are that they're that they're broken people that they're people that that need to be there to form a united uh group to to be under to be within i think that has a lot to do with it i I think there's also within and i i'm not so much this way i mean because i'm a person quite honestly i'm happy back in the shadows as much as i am in the spotlight uh i I think there are some people though who enjoy having control and i think sometimes having control helps some people to feel more at ease uh they're more comfortable because they're pulling the strings, and they, there's no surprises with that. And uh, but the problem is, is when we serve the Lord, you know, we're in for a roller coaster ride. And so yeah. I think a lot of times it becomes an emphasis more on the person than it necessarily does the will of the Lord. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny you said that because there was a meme that I saw the other day. It showed two pictures, and it says my idea of my Christian walk, and it's like this flat plane that goes all the way from the beginning to the end and then the one down below said god's god's idea of my christian walk and it shows these deep valleys and high points and all these (laughs) deep (laughs) broken valleys and broken boats and things all the way through the other side and it kind of cracked me up because i'm like well that's that's the reality right there there's a lot of truth in that for sure (laughs) yeah yep yep so number, uh, I'll go with mine. Okay. Uh, 
what I was kind of thinking on. Um, and, and this one maybe isn't doesn't need to be first, but but I feel that this this is something important, um, and it's the lack of direction from a pastor. And and what I mean in there is he's not seeking God in God's direction and he's trying to do it on his own will and his Amen. own desire and and the direction is forced so it's not um it, you you're not getting the group to move with you mhm amen yeah and and so i guess what what ends up being in in my eyes with this or my my understanding is you wind up with going into my number 2 point is no accountability in the leadership in in the the pastor himself he starts forming a uh rogue type pastor where um he's more of a totalitarian it's going to be my way and that's how it's going to be and, and and that's the type of power play i think you see leading i mean it's interesting you mentioned that because i think that's the same type of thing you see with the internal conflicts the only difference may be uh, just the person who's doing it, you know, mm. because sometimes I think in churches you get groups of people uh, who might form, you know, like almost like a political type of thing that's going on, and that type of stuff doesn't need to be happening in church. Uh, mm-hmm. I, during my time at Gardner Webb, there was a little thing we read, and I really liked it. It said there are four dangerous types of pastors, uh, four dangerous type of pastoral leadership styles. And one was called the, uh, they had these little fancy little, uh, um, my mind's not working after Bible study in the Proverbs. My mind's fried tonight. You have to bear with me. <laughs> but they had one called the monk. And the monk was a person who was never seen. Uh, you see him on Sunday, but you never see him after that. The, the second one was called the Doubting Thomas. It's a person who never trusts uh, anyone in the congregation at all. The third is called the showboat. Uh, the showboat puts on a good show, but there's no depth to him. There's no there's no uh, character to him whatsoever. So he, he he preaches a good game, but he doesn't have any foundation or any backing. But the fourth one coincides with what you just men- mentioned. They call him the general Patton, the dictator, who's got to have it his way, you know, force his way on people. And that was mentioned as the absolute worst style. A pastor could ever have, mm. and I think Peter even ma- makes a mention of this in Second Peter, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, we're not to lord the the shepherd right. position over uh, our flock because the chief shepherd is Jesus Himself. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, those are some dangerous, dangerous things, you know. And I guess, I guess, you know. The the one that that you said, um, I can't remember now what it was, but it, the the one where he's there, you see him only show up uh, on Sunday. The monk, know, yeah, the monk. The monk. That one almost makes you just say, "Well, what are you hiding?" You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. You know, what are you hiding, or what are you hiding from? You know, and I and I think those type are more of a speaker and not a pastor right um so so that would be more of a you know a different uh category really 
Absolutely. So, um, on yours, you had uh, you had uh, number two on yours was apathy. This is one I really want to drill down on because I I feel that it it leads into not just uh, apathy in the church, but it leads into apathy and men's ministry side of it to the to the women's ministry to um, Bible illiter- Ill- illiteracy um, to uh, you know, apathy in the home, um, as you know, it, it goes into so much. And I'd like to kind of drill down on that. Absolutely. And so what we mean by apathy is, is a person doesn't really, they're not really concerned with their spiritual life. Uh, mm-hmm. and it may be, and especially talking about me and it may be of the persuasion where they say, well, we're just going to let the women take care of it. We'll just let them mm-hmm. be the, the, do their thing. And we'll just, uh, we'll just be there. We'll, we'll show up. But we're not we're not going to be really concerned about the spiritual life or anything of that sort. That this happens a lot across the nation. Um, I used to think it was a regional thing, uh, but I don't think it's that way. I think it's a national thing that we have going right. on in America yeah. today, where um, where we're just we're, we're so concerned about so many different things, but we're not concerned about the things that really matter. And I mentioned as an illustration this past Sunday about, you know, I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan. But the thing that dawned on me at the opening of one NFL season was, are the Green Bay Packers going to be there for me when I'm facing trials right. and tribulations? Are right. they going to really, are they going to help me through difficulties that I may face spiritually? And is Aaron Rodgers going to come? And is he going to provide me pastoral counseling, which he probably wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to because of where he stands now these days. But we mentioned that a few shows ago, you know. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. Podcast back. But, but I'm thinking, you know, we'll put all this much attention and focus on these different teams and different sports. But when the rubber meets the road, when times get difficult, we're not going to find our help and support through these sports teams. Mm-hmm. Our help and support is going to come from the Lord. Right. I had that conversation um, right about uh, just before Super Bowl time with a with a um, a guy at work, and we were talking about you know we we cheer. And how pitiful is it? We cheer. We'll go to a stadium. We'll paint our faces and we'll cheer for these teams. And we'll be jumping up and down and roaring and everything. And yet, when we go to church, when we're singing hymns and we're singing the songs, we're we're almost like statues. We don't move. We don't do anything. I said, how how pitiful is that? That that we're cheering for people that don't even know we exist, but yet we won't cheer and be showing praise and thankfulness to to the lord that knows us that knows each hair on our head um you know that's that to me is a big big difference and i agree wholeheartedly i mean because we can go to the sports uh events and we'll scream and holler but when it comes time to sing oh how i love jesus we'll say oh how i love jesus <laughs> yep you know yes. And that's where it ends. I'm, I've always, I've often kind of thought it'd be kind of cool to come out and you know enter the pulpit and have some pyro going off or something like that. I, you know, I may catch myself on fire doing that. I don't yeah. know, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, um, 
I kind of I kind of label that, um, you know, to some degree, you see some apathy, and you could almost label it as um, bare minimum Christians. Um, yeah. You know, at some point, they had some sort of, uh, you know, encounter with God, some sort of, they understood enough of the law to understand the gospel, and, and they said yes, or they said, you know, they, they actually turned and repented from their stuff, but they, but they never really wanted to go any deeper. And so it's a bare minimum Christian. And, and one scripture that come to mind is, is second Timothy two. Um, and it says here, uh, and what have you heard from me in the, in the presence of many witnesses in trust, in trust to faithful men? Who will be able to teach others also? Share in the suffering of a, as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since he is, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And 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 what that you know you you see that as we're to be set apart. We're to be different than than the rest of the world. And what i see is a soldier he's in the world but he's not of the world he's in that environment but he's not of that you can tell a soldier you can see a soldier in the army walking in the streets versus you know uh, just the normal layman yeah and i agree with that you know and looking on down there uh what what verses were you in there uh, Second Timothy two, uh, two through four is where I ended. Two through four. I was looking down. Um, you know, verse twenty-two: Flee from youthful passions, pursue righteousness, yeah. faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Uh, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know they breed quarrels. It seems like that apathy may actually be leading to some of the conflicts that we're having because mm-hmm. we're not growing in our mm-hmm. faith. And I know we're going to have more to say about that uh, a little bit lo- later as we go along these issues, but uh, it's, it seems like they may actually, some of these may actually be connected. Right. Yeah, you know, in uh, apathy... Uh, side of it, um, you know, Jesus told us, he says, go and make disciples. And we we hear that and we hear go, and we think, oh, we need to go into all the world. But really what that is, is it's go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Make people that are that are learning from you. And what that does, and I know it and you know it, when you're, when you're teaching somebody, you're sharpening yourself, and then them sharpening you and and it creates this this drive to continue uh in the scriptures in to getting into prayer and getting into uh leadership and 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 it keeps that drive going absolutely and so it's it's this spiritual maturity We, we we've got to continue growing and and it, we're either growing towards the image of Christ, or we're falling back into our own sinful nature. In my opinion, and I and I think that a lot of times when we don't place the emphasis on on these issues, that we we easily fall back into all kinds of things that we shouldn't be doing, which develops into quarrels and and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know you got apathy. Um, another another scripture that kind of came to my mind. That I that I talk 
sent you earlier today was um, it was First Corinthians three, um, one through three. And if if I read this, it it's it's Paul saying, "Hey, I, I can't address you guys." Here, I'll just read it. It says. Uh, uh, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there, there is jealousy and strife among you, um, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And there, there's that, there's that conflict, that internal conflict coming up uh, you know, again. Paul's saying, "Hey, I can't even, I can't even give you the meat of of the scriptures. I can't even, I can't even expound on this to to help uh, rise you up, to help raise you up, so you can then become teachers yourselves to build disciples. Because you're acting in the flesh, you're not." looking down the line in a godly fashion. You know, another thing I think is important that coincides with that is you mentioned a while ago about making disciples. And I think I think an important thing we need to remember is who we're making disciples for. I mean, mm. and so we're not making wanting to make people in our image. We're, we're wanting to see people come to Christ and be made in His image. And Dr. King said something in our last intensive that's resonated with me ever since he said it. He said that everyone's a theologian and that our theology must point people upwards. They can't it shouldn't point us towards ourselves, but it should mm-hmm. always point us point them towards Christ. And I think there's a lot to be said with for that. And that maybe that's the reason why some people are becoming so apathetic because as you were talking about they're not growing, they're not developing, they're not being discipled. So, could that be a reason for the apathy we see in a church? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think it is definitely. Uh, and, you know, and then you got um, with the apathy, you got you can kind of bridge over into that and and get into the Bible Bible illiteracy. Um, you know, the you can't they can't even uh, defend against. Uh, quip little sayings, you know, that people come up with that, you know, shut them down. They, they go to talk about Jesus because they, they have this experience, they have this feeling, they know Jesus exists, and, but yet they, when they go to talk about it, somebody comes against them with a quip little saying or what, at, what have you, and it just shuts them down. Absolutely. But if, if they had that depth, if they were sharpened by discipleship, if they were, um, in the word with that they'd be able to say well that's not really how that how that is i mean because people would say for example um somebody says well you you shouldn't be judging me why are you judging me well we we understand in the scriptures god's jesus is telling us to to judge correctly to judge non-hypocritically but but to judge he's telling us to make a judgment in there, we all make judgments every day, everything we do. But if we're not in the Word and we don't understand that, then when somebody comes back with that, it shuts us down. Absolutely. And I think 
personally, I think there's a balance we need to take in that because my, my fear is, and I think you're right and absolutely right in what you're saying, but I, th- I think my fear is, is is that someone will hear that and say, okay, well, now I can start judging people you know, left and right. And I don't think that that's, that's true either because we need to leave the final judgment with the Lord. But right. going back just to kind of compliment what you were saying there as well, when we make these discerning claims, we can call right from wrong, good right. from evil, because of the standards we find in Christ, but and because of the discernment He gives to us. So, Correct, yeah. when we're talking about these judgments, I think you're right. We're making these 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 discerning discernments between these different issues. So. Um, so don't someone t- listen to this podcast and and then just go back to your church and land blast everybody. <laughs> you know? Say, hey, I, I can judge you, you know. So, <laughs> but but absolutely, we can discern right from wrong, and we can um, do that because of the standards. And that go- again, that goes back to as you were talking about a proper uh, interpretation of Scripture, interpreting ex- from what it actually says, not according to regurgitated theology that we often present. Mm-hmm. Could this uh, could this also with this apathy? Do you think it could lead us uh, to a to a wrong view of Jesus? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of times we we have this uh, prosperity type of gospel, and I think the Lord does want to bless us. But I think a lot of times it leads us to. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mention mention my fifth one on my list here um, because we've we've, we've kind of gone all the way around it. I kind of adapted it a little bit to a self-centered theological grounding I, oh, sure. and also uh, linking it to biblical illiteracy because I think this is a major issue we're mm-hmm. facing in the church today where we make Jesus more like a genie in the bottle than we do a Savior. Quite honestly, I think... I think many people in the church today had rather have a Santa Claus than to have a Savior. Mm. And that is very troubling because a Savior is not going to just give us everything we want. He's going to give us what we need. And sometimes what we need is direction, and that sometimes includes the discipline of the Lord. Not not that He's going to be harsh to us or anything mm-hmm. like that, but that he may have to steer us in directions away from what we were, 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 were doing. I mean, I know both of us are facing issues in our own personal lives where God is calling us to do things that are very uncomfortable, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the Lord does, and he's, and he's doing that to benefit us, to bring us, mm-hmm. well, like Psalm 23. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the image is of the shepherd leading us through the shadow of death. And mm-hmm. what that means is the shepherd would sometime have to lead the sheep down these dangerous pathways where wolves and robbers may be. But the sheep didn't fear because the staff, the rod and the staff of the shepherd were there. He was going to fight for them. He would fight mm-hmm. their battles. He would fight for their cause. But he would lead them through the shadow of death onto the other side of a hill where there's a lot greater and greener pastures to be found. So that's the image of the 23rd Psalm, that he's leading us sometimes through difficulties to bring us out on the other side to greener pastures. But if we have a self-centered theology, we're not going to understand that because we're going to want Jesus to do what we want him to do rather than follow where he wants us to go. Right. Yeah. You're placing your order where where you want to be. Absolutely. That's right. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So on mine, um, I have I have one on here that that I was I've been kind of thinking about pondering about, and and it's something that I I think um, it may not be um, with ill intent, but I think that it's something that uh, some pastors um, and even some you know maybe some leadership needs to watch out for is the um, uh, elders that are that are that are in the church that are more uh, yes men uh, so what the pastor says they just go right along with it and and instead of actually thinking about it and praying about it and actually being um, maybe some of that soundboard that backboard that the actual pastors actually asking for or wanting because without with it just being yes just you're just always agreeing to everything that the pastor's wanting to do. I don't think you're giving proper due diligence to um, what the church is actually needing to develop. I, I think that is a wonderful point that I had never considered. Um, and, and I would say the flip side of that would also be true as well, where mm-hmm. those in leadership don't need to become people pleasers. Because sometimes right. the Lord may lead us to do things that's not necessarily... He may lead us to take stands that's not necessarily popular all the mm-hmm. time. And so sometimes it would be easy just to go with the flow, but you've got to consider what is best for the church instead mm-hmm. of individual preferences. What is best for the church? Uh, what What is the Lord leading? You know, mm-hmm. most, I heard a story of... Um, now, I'm not sure how you guys do it in the in the in the AG. I know the Southern Baptist Church is congregational; it has a congregational polity, so major decisions are voted on by the congregation. Mm-hmm. And so, some things it has to have a 51 percent vote for it to pass. Some things, other things, have to have a two thirds majority. Um, well, there was a situation that happened with a with a uh, with a church where there was a very controversial thing that was going on. And the church voted to pass whatever that thing was. I think it was like to build something. But it had only passed with 60% margin. It was enough to pass. But the pastor and church, the pastor says, Church, I know we passed this, but I want to suggest that we hold off for a little while. We hold off in a little while, pray and seek the Lord's face a little longer before we do this. And in due time, come back to the issue and take another vote and see if we can't get the percentage a little higher. Well, they did just that. The church came together. Some of the naysayers began to see the reason for building whatever it was they were building. They took another vote, and it had jumped from 60% to like 85%. That margin was something that he felt comfortable to go ahead and do. There were still a few naysayers, but it had moved from 60% of the congregation to 85% of the congregation. And so that he felt comfortable to say, we can let's move forward from now. So even though sometimes something passes, it may be in the wisdom of the Lord that you need to wait before acting. So it comes down to following what the Lord actually wants rather than mm-hmm. what we prefer. What's best for the church? What's best for the congregation? And what right. is the Lord leading us to do? Right. Yeah, letting letting God letting God run his church. Yeah, <laughs> because in the end it's his church anyhow. Right. 
Right. And and I think that's I think that's probably probably part of our human nature is um I guess we're kind of designed that way. We we do have that feeling of of uh, and I I suffer from it. I know you do. Is I'll just get it done. I'll just oh, yeah. I'll just jump in. I'll just jump in and I'll just go do it. Don't worry about it. It's know? a whole lot easier that way. Just go ahead and do it ourselves. That way we don't have to worry about it. You know. Right. Right. And I think that's. I really think that that's a struggle for us um, as as humans in human nature um, is to actually trust in the Lord with with some of this stuff. You're like, well, God, I could I could really do this right now. I I've got this capability. I could make this happen. I could do this, but. Yeah, I don't know what I what you want. So, well, yeah, I there's think a, that's a big thing. There's a, there's a danger too. I think if if you allow one person to do everything, and, and here's the problem: I, I've seen in churches in the past where the pastor did so much for the church, or maybe it's an elder, or maybe it's a deacon, did so much for the church that when something happened to that person, if God called him the person to do something else then no one else knew how to do those things that that person was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is also a, a danger, uh, which, you know, f- for all of us to to, um, to to kind of share responsibility, because a lot of times it's 90% of the work is normally done by 10% of the congregation. But mm-hmm. the question is, what happens if something happens to that 10%? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, is anyone is anyone else going to know how to do it, you know? When it comes to that point, right? I saw on your list uh, you had uh, number three. I think it was uh, busyness over over being. Um, let's touch on that a little bit because I think that's I think that's one of um, there's a balance there because you know you want to help people in uh, you know doing Bible study and and doing some of that you know and having maybe group Bible studies or maybe even Bible studies in homes and stuff like that um, as groups. But there's almost that you want to, you know, that you want to stay away from doing too much. Um, so um, where are you guys at with that? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's, that's, that is a good point because I think we, we, d- we stay so busy these days that sometimes we don't understand the need that we have for rest in the Lord. And um, a friend of mine on, online posted something just, I think it was today if I'm not mistaken, where he's talking about being and doing. You know, a lot of times we, we do and do and do and do, but what happens to us if we get to the point that we can no longer do? All we have left is our being in that point in time. And so where do we find our being and so in mm-hmm. Acts seventeen twenty eight, Paul says, "In Him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being." And I think a lot of times the problem is, is we have failed to remi- failed to realize who we are in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High, that we don't have to work to earn God's favor. When He died on the cross and we received Christ as our Savior, by His justification, He already deemed us. As justified, he already justified us before the Lord, and that there's a lot of power in that if we understand that principle. For instance, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is in Romans eight thirty one that says, "If God is for us, who can be against us?" Mm-hmm. And what a powerful verse that is! Simple verse, 
it was my life first. Maybe it's my mm-hmm. life first because it's so easy to remember. But if God is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on to say, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. That means he is our attorney before mm-hmm. the Most High God. And so we have an advocate in Christ. But then he goes on to say, and I'll wrap this up, he says, Knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yeah. It's powerful. Yep. So I think that once we understand our being, then we can we can do things for the Lord. I think even with greater success because we have um, we understand who we are. We understand that the work is only going to be accomplished because of the work found in Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, and we can do things um, more effectively if we understand our being overdoing. Mm. And Curtis, right. I better hush because I just realized we are we have about nine about nine, ten minutes left. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna touch on a couple there though, Brian, that that I really want to touch on, but we may have to break it into something else um, next week or maybe a week later. But um, the the anti intellectualism and the lack of theology those two are ones that I feel are go into Bible illiteracy, but the anti-intellectualism really is something that that's that's uh, kind of running through the veins of the church right now. Well, you know, I think that I think we can probably combine these together because I think that the biblical illiteracy and the self-centered theology is coming from this anti-intellectualism. We are inundated with so much information. Um, I I, I don't have a copy on hand, but there's a book written uh, back in the 1980s. It's almost prophetic. It's called Entertaining Ourselves to Death. And uh, the writer of the book, uh, I think his name is Postman, but I can't think of his full name. But he, he says that there, there's coming a time where we'll have so much information, where we're so overloaded with so much that we know nothing. It's something to that level and degree. And we have so much information at our disposal, but the problem is is we don't know how to think well. And furthermore, we're not taking the time to really delve into the issues of Scripture, I think we, we, we've become so content that we have all this information available to us, but we don't tap into the the essential things, and we're not learning and growing. Mm. Part of the greatest commandment that Christ gave us came from Deuteronomy 6 that tells right. us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and all of our mind. So how we love the Lord with our mind? We study His Word. We grow in spirit and in truth. We become more like Christ uh, through this growth and development. I think I think you think you read this passage of Scripture, or maybe we mentioned it about Paul talking about the individuals in Corinth needing to go off of the the baby milk, but start right. eating the meat and potatoes of the Word right. of God. 
And I think that so many places across the nation, we are still drinking from the bottle, the baby bottle, and we're not growing deeper in our theology. And that is having a this having a um, just a catastrophic effect on the church and on mm-hmm. our theological insights. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of also was looking or thinking on that when, when we were just talking about it in Hebrews, in Hebrews 5 he talks about um, he talks about to the, to the you know as he's talking to the Hebrews he says uh, um, for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled and, it, and in the word of righteousness since he is a child but solid food is for mature for those who have their power and discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil Mm. and and i think that right there the constant practice that's that 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 apathy coming in if you're not constantly practicing not not a you know, ritualistic or a pharisaical type, um, <laughs> you could say, uh, type of religiosity, but more of just the desire to, to continue taking it in. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Well, Brian, Curtis, before we close, what what I'd like to do is is to what is to kind of give a vision. Uh, and if you need a moment or two to think about it, that's fine because because uh, I'm springing this on you. We didn't prepare this just to kind of leave the people with a positive note. What do you see as as the model for what is your vision? What is the model for the way the church ought to look like? And if you need think, if you needed a minute, I, you know, I, yeah, we, we're not going to play music in between it, so I'll just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, I think it, it starts when a man rises up in his household and he realizes his position under God. Mm-hmm. He then takes his family and leads them with caring, loving hands and shows them the gospel, walks with them, building disciples within his house that then can go and make disciples out into the world. In that comes a church that then, a church body, that then becomes energized and energetic and wants to learn more about God. And you're building this on multiple age levels, and you're building it within the house. With, the, with our culture today, where we have, we have chased men away from leaders, from being leaders in the family, we're now seeing the repercussion of that. But what I've been watching and seeing, and it's such a blessing to me, is you're starting to see young men doing more podcasts, mm-hmm. actually starting to preach, starting to enroll in, in Bible colleges, and starting to actually dig deeper into why we believe what we believe. And I think to me, that's inspiring as a dad, as a father, as a leader of the family, I see people around all across the United States, young men rising up 
and able to actually explain and expound upon the gospel and actually give it in such a positive way that you're seeing people for the first time in a long time being able to actually articulate God's word very, very well. I, th I think my vision is something real similar to that. I, I think the church is a place where I envision, and, I, and I'm stuck on the passage of Scripture in the book of Acts where it was talking about the church being in one mind of one accord. Mm. I think mm -hmm. my vision for the church is to see a group of people coming together, understanding who they are in Christ, mm. understanding who God is, and coming together as the family that they are called to be, helping one another assisting one another, encouraging one another to grow more into the image of Christ and to come together as a loving family and learning more and digging deeper into the truths of Scripture so that through them the love of Christ can be manifested and, and illustrated to, to the society in which they find themselves. Wherever corner of the world they find themselves, that they would be the salt and light of Christ for that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powerful. You know, and I, and I think that I think we're seeing a um, a rise in all of that. Even though it seems like the church is becoming more divided, you got you've got these uh, swings of you know um, swinging far left. And then you got these that are actually being real uh, conservative, wanting to swing way right. But yet you're seeing this rise of pastors and of people that are saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand with God's word. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to stand along and I'm going to stand alongside my brother and I'm going to hold him up no matter what his choices are. I'm still going to show him God's love we're going to walk together through this and the Holy Spirit through the word is going to change him. Amen. And I think that's what we're, that's, I think that's what we're going to start seeing. And I think you're right. And, and the thing is, is, is I would, as we're coming to the uh, twilight of our, of our podcast today, uh, I, I would encourage people to say that we, we have, we're not in a position that we haven't been before as a church if you go back and look at the history of the church, there have been times of, of spiritual lows. Uh, and I think the Amer of even America before John Wesley and George Whitfield came about with the Second Great Awakening, there was, a, there was a time of great spiritual depravity. And so it took a great awakening through the Wesleys and through the Whitfields to bring about a renewal uh, the Holy Spirit got a hold of them, and through them, the Holy Spirit brought forth a revival. And if it mm -hmm. happened twice in American history, who's to say that it couldn't happen a third time? Right. Yeah, and Wesley, he was <laughs> crazy how much he preached. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was like <laughs> 40,000 messages or something, maybe more yeah. than that. It was it was a yeah. ridiculous number. Yeah, it was like... Ten hours a day he was preaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. But, yeah. Well, um, I think uh, we covered some pretty good topics. And I know that I know that we have more that we could have um, bridged over on. But I, I truly think that we covered a good depth of it. And I think, you know, this might create some conversation within the, within the questions on Bellator Christi. And, and uh, feel free to, to send those in to us. And we can... 
discuss and maybe kick those around a little bit. Absolutely. So, we at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending the time together with us. Uh, we value your time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. It's my privilege to announce to you that the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is now available on Kindle. So you can get the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics in all formats now. It's available on Kindle, as well as paperback, hardcover, and you can also find it on the Nook at barnesandnoble.com. So please go and order your copy today and share it, or maybe you'd like to share it with a friend. Whatever the case may be, help us as we get the word out and let people know that we have a faith worth believing in. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.